0: For a Business Angle with our good buddy Justin Angle, it is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. This is a conversation about the overlay between sports and business. Justin, I know I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. How you been doing, my man?
1: Been doing well, Coulter. You know, the days are getting
0: longer. The sun is out. I wish we were a little bit warmer, but um, no complaints. Well, you never get cold, though, right? Because don't you just run everywhere? I suppose you're right yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, Justin's not just a business professor he's also uh, like a great uh, distance runner uh, once upon time a division one distance runner so he can always warm himself up no matter what's going on just go for a nice little jog it is nice to have it's a good, good skill to have it is a great skill to have for sure one that I could never convince myself to do but that's here nor there Tease for later this week by the way we're doing a big blowout for the Big Sky Conference Outdoor Track and Field Championships I have a male and female athlete from both Montana and Montana State and join us so we caught up and we'll play these interviews throughout the week, but Tanessa Morris from the University of Montana, Brett Yankee from the University of Montana, as well as, well as Duncan Hamilton from Montana State, and Carla Nicasia from Montana State will join us later on this week. Nuana's is now, and uh, Duncan Hamilton is an impressive story, because this is a kid who's a sophomore from Bozeman running at MSU, and his weekend, this sounds like my nightmare, but it's like his dream come true, he will kick off the meet by running the 3000 meter steeplechase. Then later on Friday, he will run the 1500 meter prelims. Then he will get to uh, perhaps run the 1500 meter finals on Saturday. And then he will kick it or he will finish the meet with (laughs) the carnage. That is the 5k that finishes up the big sky outdoor championships each and every year. So just, I know you're familiar with distance running. That sounds like quite a lot of miles to me. That's a heavy load, in particular at the speed at which these young athletes are running.
1: I mean, being able to make it through uh, a meet like that and those various commitments, you start really having to think about recovery, right? And how you sort of treat yourself immediately following an effort. And how you get ready for the next effort and sort of manage the accumulated fatigue and yeah, it'll be a it'll be quite a challenge for these folks.
0: Duncan Hamilton at the indoor championships, he ran a three thirty nine in the mile and watching the video is just like this dude is sprinting faster than I can even run for four right. consecutive laps. <laughs> it's unbelievable. That's one of my favorite things to cover is those distance races because that's where you get the best interviews. You just post up at the end of the five K at the end of that four day championship. The winner, he's going to be so shot and so high from running this 5,000 meters that it's going to be the greatest interview you ever had. I used to, I love covering those things. So best of luck to all the athletes that are competing. Uh, speaking of student-athletes and students in general, University of Montana had their graduation celebration recently, and uh, it was sort of almost normal, and that's a pretty cool thing. So I know you have uh, had a pretty tough couple years here, Justin, with – Adjusting to remote learning and all this online stuff and, and trying to keep kids engaged and just the tumultuous nature of university learning in general during a pandemic. But it must have been pretty cool for you to see some of your kids walk across the stage and, and actually have a graduation celebration. A hundred percent.
1: You know, as everybody knows it's been it's been a tough time for everybody. It's been a tough time for for, uh, for colleges and universities. I mean, what students are going through or have gone through is not what they signed up for. And, you know, the fact that we could close out a difficult academic year with all sorts of health accommodations and, it, you know, just compromises in general, to be able to offer an in-person graduation and see the students walk across the stage and interact in a way that kind of felt just about almost normal, to see the parents embrace the, the uh, celebration, it was pretty special. The weather cooperated. It was really cool to be able to do it in Washington Grizzly Stadium again and just think about, you know, as, as, as we approach. Normality, you know, this this is going to be really special, and I think there's pent up demand to hear, you know, to gather as a crowd and watch sports and and all of it. So it's just kind of a, a really fun moment to sort of mark what is what I hope is a transition, and we're going to sort of be uh, marching back toward normal from here on out. We'll see, fingers are crossed.
0: A lot of things going on in the wide world of sports, particularly when it comes to the overlay with business, and one thing that's been At the top of the list for quite some time is all of the fluctuation in the NCAA when it comes to student-athlete welfare, student-athlete rights. And one thing that is really, really been on the tip of everybody's tongue has been uh, about this name, image, and likeness. This goes into effect where student-athletes can monetize their name, image, and likeness. It goes into effect in five states on July 1st. New Mexico, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and Mississippi. This is uh, quite a deal that those are the states leading the charge when you talk about Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and Mississippi. Those are four of the biggest recruiting hotbeds, particularly when it comes to college football. But this has been something that's been in the works for a while, but now Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA and the NCAA in general, are pushing Congress for action on a name, image, and likeness. So take us through this, Justin. I mean, what has developed lately, and what sort of impact, if and when these things go into effect, do you think this has, on sort of the monetization of recruiting in Division One sports.
1: Yeah, there are so many issues associated with with that, Coulter. You know, and this kind of dates back originally to a 2009 case with former UCLA basketball player Ed O'Bannon, was suing the NCAA over their use of his likeness on a video game and claiming that hey, you know, that's his likeness, that's his property in a way, and he should be able to receive benefits associating with promoting that likeness, and it's a pretty reasonable case, but it kind of marked the first moment at which the NCAA's stranglehold on, you know, who gets the money and where it goes started to break, and, you know, it's been chipped away, chipped away, chipped away slowly until... You know, finally, we're at a stage where states are passing laws, like the five you mentioned, um, allowing student-athletes to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness to build their own brand and and monetize it in a way. And Florida, for example, is already recruiting on this, uh, uh, attracting students or, you know, selling student-athletes on the prospect of coming to Florida universities to compete because it's a better money-making opportunity. I mean, a lot of these pitches on recruiting used to be like, hey, we'll give you the best chance at um, setting, your, setting you up for a successful draft or a professional opportunity or whatever, but now you can make money. You know, students are going to be able to make money um, at, you know, as students. And... Um, you know, that recruiting asymmetry is interesting. You see the conferences that that uh, are in states or, the, you know, the universities in states that haven't passed such laws are, are, are screaming because they want, you know, they want either the same laws in their states or they want some national policy through Congress or through the NCAA. But it just seems like, you know, the states are out ahead and uh, the, the NCAA has nothing but lawsuits and demands of um, – of demands of Congress. And to think that Congress is gonna take this up and to act quickly is pretty naive, especially when these laws go into effect um, July 1st in the, in the five
0: states you listed. You're right, there's so many layers to this. It's a, it's a business angle with Justin Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do this every other Tuesday here on Nuwana's Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana TV. In your mind though, Justin, what is the best case scenario And what is the worst-case scenario that could come about from name, image, and likeness?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, the the worst-case scenarios are are kind of obvious in that they just surface so many kind of equity issues associated with, you know, who gets the compensation um, and what that could do to team dynamics, what that could do to – you really does it pull the curtain back on it, what in some at some places is the myth of student athletes are these people really students are they really getting an education um, and participating in coursework and so forth so from a, from an academic standpoint i'm fearful that it will create a lot of um, kind of perverse incentives as, as a business uh, professor however like giving the st- Giving, giving young people the opportunity to run their own businesses um, in terms of monetizing their name, image, and likeness. That could provide interesting educational opportunities. So, I mean, I guess that's one take on it. Um, it does seem, though, that, you know, it really, as we move forward, I mean, maybe it'll be fine. Maybe, you know, the, the, the way the kind of hierarchy and pecking order on a team works as far as you know, who gets the most preferential treatment, who, you know, who gets the highest profile and, and, you know, his or her name in the paper or in the highlight reel or whatever, you know, those are just sort of benefits of notoriety and similar benefits of who gets the dollars will probably accrue and, you know, along the same pattern. So culturally it, it could be a problem, but it, but it could not be. And, um, you know, the question there, too, is, like, if students are able to monetize their name, image, and likeness, are universities going to maybe support student athletes less in some ways? Or scholarship dollars going to dry up? Or, you know, what's how is it going to kind of percolate throughout a university athletics department? And, um, you know, then as you start to chip away at some of this stuff, it's like, is the NCAA really necessary anymore? And then... If you get there, it's just some big kind of existential questions about college sports. What it means? Does the model make sense? Um, it's not hard to, to sort of draw out scenarios in which it starts to make less sense, um, particularly from when 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 the benefits are accruing directly to the athletes. On the other hand, you know, it's an entrenched system, and maybe. Getting more benefits to the athletes is more equitable, and it could could create a more sustainable system. I'm not sure. It'll be really interesting to see how it unfolds.
0: It's so, so, so complicated. I I think about this all the time because there's, there's two sides to every portion of this incredibly massive issue. On one hand, I mean, you yourself, you're a business professor at the University of Montana. There's, uh, uh, is it called the Blackstone, uh, where you get, where it's like a kind of a business creation competition. Do I have that right?
1: Yeah, And it's so, Blackstone uh, Launchpad and yep, then we have the business right. plan competition.
0: Yeah. Right. So your business plan competition and Blackstone Launchpads and, and students can create businesses and they can, I mean, I think that a lot of the, the people that have won these competitions or, or, or you know, have had great, um, ideas. I've turned these into real businesses. I know that Skyline Sports, my website, my our multimedia company, my brother made his business plan as part of the Blackstone deal, and yeah, I think he got Sky Brewing success story. That's yeah. right. I mean, there's Big Sky Brewing, right? I think Five on Black might have been one of them. You know, here in Missoula. I mean, yep. And, and so that's awesome. And so to say that, you know, so, so you have a talent and you have intuition to be able to create a business while you're in college, and then that sets you up for great success in your life. That's good. That's what education is all about. And so to, to, to deny that to a basketball or a football player or something like that, I think that's silly. But on the other hand, I worry so much where this becomes the meat market of recruiting or the way that these schools are using the money to exploit kids. Uh, the thing I worry about the most, though, is you were talking about the hierarchy and the pecking order of uh, a roster. I think that's the most fascinating part because I think in some sports, it's a little bit linear. If you're a great... Uh, athlete in certain sports and you come to school and you develop at a, a proper rate, you're going to you're gonna maintain your reputation within your team, within your program, within your conference as one of the best players on that team. But we've seen this in football, specifically in the state of Montana, but across football, all, all across football, if every guy that was the five-star recruits or the elite 11 quarterbacks coming out of high school, if it was just linear, then we would have all of the five, former five-star quarterbacks as all the top picks in the NFL draft. We would have all of these guys and about half of the guys that went in the first two rounds of the NFL draft this last year were four- or five-star recruits, but about half of them weren't. And we've seen these guys that were maybe underdogs, and it's, it's even accentuated more at schools like Montana and Montana State where you have walk-ons or partial scholarship guys. I guess the point I'm making is what you are in football when you're 17 and 18 is nothing compared to what you are when you're 22 or 23. A lot of times guys peak early, but also a lot of times guys peak late. And so I wonder so much, what happens when the guy who gets the $250,000 endorsement from the car dealership in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, flops, and what does that do to the chemistry of your roster when you have the guy who's the walk-on from Backwoods, Mississippi, who becomes the star? I just think that it, it, it sets you up to have just this giant mess where, One guy's looking at his neighbor, and he's thinking, man, the guy at the locker next to me, he's got a quarter million dollars in his pocket, and I got nothing, but I start, and he doesn't. So what does that do to the fabric of the team? I don't know. I just think it's so fascinating to see how this all plays out. Because, again, on one hand, I think that the kids should be able to uh, have business benefits from their performance and their talents. But on the other hand, it just seems like it could get so muddy when it comes to just the meshing of chemistry in a locker room.
1: Yeah, and then you got to think about, like, who do these folks work for, right? If they're, they're getting <laughs> right. $250,000 from the Ford dealership and, you know, a, whatever, a $20,000 a year scholarship package from the university, who's their boss, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what is their boss paying them to do? Are they paying them to perform on the field or are they paying them to deliver a brand message? I mean, we see that often in professional sports where the best performers... You know, they're not necessarily the most marketable people, the best personalities, the best spokespeople, and sometimes, you know, endorsement dollars accrue to folks that are, you know, l- less um, skilled on the field and just are better brand ambassadors for whatever that brand is, is trying to uh, to trying to sell. So it'll be interesting. You know, you sort of mentioned the word linear, you know, and we sort of assume that the most dollars in terms of endorsements will accrue to the to the best players and the most prominent players, but, you know, that's not always the way it works with marketing dollars, Um, so that'll be interesting, too, and then, you know, I think in response to your hypothetical there, you know, I think we're going to see, particularly when we're dealing with young people, maybe young people that are a little naive and maybe haven't, don't have the resources, we're going to see some pretty, um, I think students are going to have to read these contracts really carefully. You know, what is at stake and what are they giving away and what are they getting in return and what sort of ser- you know, security do they have in the deal? I think that'll be particularly interesting because these students, you know, a lot of these states are considering rules that will ban agents from the prospect. So these students might be negotiating their deals independent of an agent and nobody really, other than them and their family, looking out for their own interests. So, it, 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 um, yeah, it's going to be a Wild West kind of scenario.
0: New is now, 10290 ESPN, Missoula. SWX Montana Television. Justin Angle joining us on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. It's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. And we could talk about this forever and ever and ever, Justin, but we'll transition mm-hmm. a little bit just because I think that there's a couple other points I want to get to before we get you out of here. One thing we've talked about semi-frequently on this show is the TV rights battle in professional sports, particularly when it comes to the yep. NFL. Amazon is just a monster. The, the Amazon is is a, a company that is beyond the comprehension that I think that anybody that has ever monitored business in America could ever even predict it could be. But yet here we are, and I don't think there's any turning back. And now Amazon is taking over the Thursday night football rights for the NFL a year earlier than planned. They'll do it in 2022. Fox wanted out of the contract because they couldn't make money in the spot, and Amazon, now they have deep pockets that are going to cater to everything. So I'm so interested in the way that this changes the broadcasting and commentating when it comes to football, the way it changes consumption. All of a sudden we've reached this tipping point where it seems as if almost everybody has a streaming device or a Roku or an Amazon Prime account or whatever it might be. And so the days of quote-unquote subscription-based consumption of live sports, it's commonplace now. And so I just wonder how this is going to impact. But what do you think? How, how is this Amazon... Infiltration and first step into the NFL going to impact the viewer experience.: I really think this could
1: be a watershed moment for, how, um, you know, for for how we consume sports and how sports are kind of packaged. If you think about a traditional broadcast experience, it's really engineered as an advertising delivery device. Right, these these networks they pay the NFL a ton of money in exchange for that. They're given the opportunity to monetize that advertising space, to monetize the eyeballs that turn in, that tune in to those games. Well, if you think about Amazon, they, one, they're not an advertiser, right? They're not a network, and their business model is plenty lucrative without that advertising revenue. So, if you take advertising out of a viewing experience. You can create a much better experience. And what is Amazon particularly good at? They're good at creating seamless customer experiences, right? They're relentlessly dedicated to that. And thinking about what's possible in a world where you don't have to deliver ads in order to make money, uh, they could monetize the experience in some other way. I mean, uh, maybe it's through advertising their own products, but I doubt it. I think it's going to be something more interesting that will um, shake up the marketplace. Because at the end of the day, it's like breaking news and live sporting events are kind of the only things that we sort of still tune into at a particular time and a particular day. Breaking news is much less predictable than the football game. So they have an opportunity to have a captive audience and Deep, deep pockets to completely re-engineer the experience and you know if you can watch a Thursday night football game in two hours versus you know a Sunday game where it's like three and a half hours to slog through all the ads um, you know the ratings are probably gonna go up they're gonna start to gobble up market share it could you know these are just you know sort of hot take predictions but I think it could be uh, Really interesting. I mean, the ads in football games, uh, I don't enjoy sitting through them. You know, another ad for some pharmaceutical, prostate medicine, (laughs) whatever it is. um, You know, I don't need to see that. I just want to see the game. And folks are kind of already doing that with recordings and you sort of fast forward and, and networks are repackaging it. But Amazon could just take it to the next level.
0: Do you think they could cater to actual specific users, too? In other words, if I'm watching, are they going to be trying to sell me a new pair of skis and you're watching, they're going to be trying to sell you a new pair of running shoes? A hundred percent.
1: I mean, they are going to know everything about you. They got an Alexa in your house. They got a sensor in your fridge. They're going to be like, you know, this guy, Coulter, is out of milk. He needs more milk. And we're going to just sort of like, hey, it's a timeout. We know you're out of milk. Just click here on your remote, and we're going to have that milk to you by a drone in, you know, 38 seconds. Oh, Um, man. Yeah, that's where we're going, man
0: oh man you already you already threw me down the rabbit hole last time we talked about this and what did you say you said they're gonna monitor my fridge to see when I'm out of butter but then they're gonna also tell me I have high cholesterol so now I can't get the butter because the insurance company is getting exactly. know. oh man we we live in a absolute dystopia uh, we're not gonna go down that angle though because this has been <laughs> wonderful and Justin we appreciate you man we got a lot more to get to but we'll have to save it till next time maybe we can actually catch up next week since we missed last week we're here nor there really appreciate you joining us it's Always a pleasure, and uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Likewise, Coulter. Be well.